Living an independent life is a dream for every young adult, including those on the autism spectrum. But achieving this goal requires mastering certain essential life skills. So in this podcast, we're going to explore nine absolutely critical life skills for students with autism or any significant disability to set them up for success in the post-secondary. From managing routines to handling money to social interactions, let's go ahead and talk about the functional life skills that your students need to to have a greater level of independence in adulthood. So grab your paper, grab your pens, let's talk about how we can help our students be more successful for life after graduation. Welcome to The Noodle Nook, a podcast for teachers where we break down the best tips, tricks, and tools to help educators teaching students with complex access needs and significant disabilities, including autism. I'm Io, your host, and I help teachers create the classroom of their dreams with practical strategies and actionable step- steps that won't leave you feeling overwhelmed. In this episode, we're all talking all about the nine essential life skills for students with autism. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, y'all, I love episodes like this because I always feel like when we talk about independent living skills and we talk about daily living skills in IEP meetings or on PLAFs or just kind of generally in special ed, everybody's like, what are we talking about? (laughs) What skills are we actually talking about? It's not just some random generic term. So let's really drill down and identify these things and get more specific in our generalities. But first off, before we even talk about that, why are daily living and independent living skills so, so important? Well, the answer is simple, because it helps our students to have a better quality of life after graduation. It allows them to be able to handle all that adulting that they're supposed to be doing with more independence, more opportunities. And those are opportunities to participate with peers and to make choices and pursue their interests. And those options, those opportunities, those choices are huge in terms of quality of life, right? They are the pathway to helping our students be happier and more content in their life after graduation. So enhanced quality of life is a huge reason why we focus in on these skills. Another reason we do is because it reduces dependency on others. So I know the first one was like enhanced quality of life, but now we're really talking about that Hold on, can I channel my inner Beyonce? Like I-N-D-E-P, okay, I'm not gonna spell it all out for you, but you know what I mean, right? (laughs) We wanna promote independence for our students so that they are less reliant on other people in terms of constantly giving them support and assistance. Now, I'm gonna pause here. I know not all of our students are going to live a life where they are not dependent in some part on other people. I completely acknowledge this. But what we wanna do is to reduce that dependency so that they can have increased levels of autonomy and maybe less supervision or less continuous supervision in their adult life. Because when we reduce that dependency, we also decrease the likelihood of abuse. So I'm gonna just put that out there. Um, The third reason that we really wanna focus in on independent living skills and daily living skills is that it improves our students' long-term outcomes. Because here's the kicker. The lessons that we teach in our classrooms last a lifetime, right? Which is great and daunting at the same time. What we do in our classrooms, the skills that we teach our students, the lessons that we give them, the, the opportunities that we afford them are really things that change their entire life and that last with them through their entire life. So what we teach literally changes lives. What we do matters so much. 
And so we want to make sure that we're giving our students the best long-term outcomes as possible, and we're giving them the tools and the strategies and the ideas that are going to be most important to them in their life after graduation. So really, that's why we focus in on daily living skills, on independent living skills, on life skills. So what are the most essential life skills for students with autism? And quite honestly, I think this is a conversation that applies to students with all types of significant disabilities that are sitting in our special education classrooms. As I was writing this list, I was even thinking of my neurotypical kids who also need to work on these same skills. So while I'm talking specifically about supporting students with autism, I think that these are life skills for every one for every person who wants to adult successfully. So when we go through this list, I want you to choose the ones that are most important to you, most important to your students, and really target the the how-to that I'm going to mention in every section. So let's go ahead and get started. First up, we have self-care skills. Now, this is where we teach individuals to take care of themselves independently, and that includes things like personal hygiene, grooming, dressing, managing their health needs. I once took students out on a community-based instruction trip to try on clothes for an interview as part of building vocational skills. And I was shocked that one of my highest capable, most employable students could not button his own shirt. His mom had been dressing him for his entire life. So dressing appropriately is a couple, is like twofold here, right? Choosing the right clothing and being able to actually put it on. Self-care skills are critical and we teach them because it is essential in being more independent and more confident. And let's face it, right? Like everybody likes to have friends, employees and significant others who can take care of themselves. <laughs> we want our, our folks to be able to take care of themselves because that will improve the relationships that they have with others and their employability. So here are some ideas on how to teach self-care. If you are working with some younger students, I suggest implementing visual supports and picture schedules to help them go through some of these pieces of the daily routine, right? So a very clear task analysis with a sequence, a clear sequence with visuals of how to do some of these self-care activities can really target this personal care. Um, you could start with things like brushing teeth or washing hands or dressing or tying shoes, right? Some of the visual supports that you are going to use are going to be to visually see and complete um, some of these self-care tasks. The other thing I suggest for younger students is social stories that can really show a student engaging in self-care activities and, and focusing in on why those are important. And also you can pair that with some play-based learning. So you can pair the stories with um, maybe uh, some dolls and we work on dressing up the dolls or practice brushing the doll's hair so that we are actually practicing kind of in a more play-based environment. The moral of the social stories that we focused on in our instruction. If you are working with some older students, please leave the dolls behind. Let us not comb dolls' hairs in the classroom. <laughs> Instead, you're going to really develop some personalized task analysis, right? Those step-by-step -step instructions to get through maybe not just a single skill, but a series of skills, right? Like when you are getting ready in the morning, you yourself as an individual, you pretty much do things the same way. It's a combination of taking a shower, brushing your teeth, combing your hair, and you do it consistently every day. In fact, if you skip a step, sometimes you get all messed up and forget to do things, right? So establishing this written checklist or this mental checklist or giving you the visual support so that a student can go through an entire series of a grooming checklist 
independently. And the second thing you want to do for older students is really model and do some guided practice, right? We need our students to really get in there and do these things while they're in the comfort and protection of our classrooms so that they can get confident and feel more competent. So practice these skills. Don't assume that your students have them because that's how you end up in the dressing room of a Kohl's department store trying to figure out why one of your students can't button any of their buttons. Not like that's ever happened to me though, right? <laughs> All right, the next critical skill here, next critical skill is social skills. So we've got to help our students with autism develop their social skills. And these are skills that help are, are going to help them throughout their entire life. They help to maintain interactions, help them to make friends, help them navigate social situations. So we've got to teach these because having good relationships with others improves quality of life. And for our students, they want to have relationships, right? They want to have social interactions and build friendships and be employable and maintain positive relationships with family and significant others. And in order to do this, you gotta have social skills. So how do we teach this? Well, for younger students, we are gonna go back to those social stories and role playing this time. So we are gonna use our social stories, but we are gonna piggyback on those social stories with role playing activities where our students get to practice how to react and how different scenarios can play out and kind of do those things that you do in your head when you're thinking through social situations and you're practicing them, kind of doing those in a real space where you can give feedback and support and help your student understand visual cues and nonverbal language and social expectations. So social stories and role playing is, is so huge for younger students and older students too, to a small part. Um, but also for younger students, you are gonna do some structured social activities, right? Play groups, social activities where students are interacting with peers and kind of a supportive and protective, protective environment so that you can provide prompts and guidance and point out key things that a student might not see, right? In a positive way, that's going to be acceptable and not um, have like a social backlash because it's in real time, in real terms, and a student is uh, not prepared for it. So the things for older students, so those are the two ways for our younger students. For our older students, video modeling works really, really well in terms of being able to share examples of social skills and social interactions and it's very visual for, for our students. It helps them to relate to it and possibly learn and imitate the social behaviors and social responses. So video modeling can be very helpful for older students. And I also suggest peer group discussions and some problem solving, right? Talk about encounters that you might face in real life and then brainstorm solutions and challenges and how you can go about dealing with those situations so that we're benefiting from kind of the collective, right? We're being able to, to work through problem solving by talking things out aloud with others. All right, the third critical skill is communication skills. <laughs> and this is where we focus on enhancing communication abilities through both verbal and nonverbal um, means as a way to express needs, preferences, and emotions effectively. And then why do we teach these so the communication skills? Honestly, the ability to communicate is one of the most essential life skills because it directly impacts long-term outcomes, right? Beyond just employability, developing communication skills impacts if a per an individual can do other things in life, right? Like it impacts whether they can develop good social skills. 
It impacts whether they can make a relationship with others. It impacts their level of dependency on others, which can impact their level of abuse. Like communication skills is, is a domino. It's a domino effect here. So we want our students to have a robust communication system. And please, 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 like, I can't emphasize this enough. <laughs> it's so, so important. So if you are attacking communication skills in the classroom for your younger students, really consider how you can include more visual communication tools inside of your classroom. That might be a picture exchange system. It might be a communication board. These things are the tools that will lay the foundation for more robust digital communication tools later, like VOD voice output devices or more technolog technologically based communication systems. But it starts when they're younger and kind of getting those visual communication tools in place. The other piece here is imitation and modeling. You want to encourage your students to imitate and model communication and behaviors, right? Have your students speaking during your lessons. So your students should not be just sitting and getting. You want them to be talking and communicating in whatever form is appropriate for them. That might be gestures, that might be eye contact, that might be facial responses, that might be a visual communication system, it might be picture exchange, whatever that is, we want our students to be imitating and modeling and using language, especially what starting with our younger students. For our older students, we want to increase the amount of peer interactions that they're allowed or um, encouraged to participate in. What we really want to see is that they are paired with a supportive and patient peer who is going to be able to sit and let them work through developing better communication skills. Because quite honestly, I have been in a lot of secondary classrooms and I find it so interesting that they spend so much of our time, their time, our students spend so much of their time talking to just the adult <laughs> and not talking to a peer. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was in school, I did not go to talk to my teacher. I went to talk to my friends. And so for our older students, we really want to make sure that peer interactions are built into the lesson and built into our day. The second thing is we want to do some direct instruction on conversations, right? Our students have to learn how to have better conversations in terms of turn-taking, topic initiation, staying on topic, maintaining eye contact, personal space. Honestly, this is actually outside of the realm of just communicating with words or pictures. This is about like that nonverbal um, communication expectations that are part of real life conversations. So we want to make sure that we're taking time to direct teach those things. All right, next up is time management skills. Now, when we teach time management skills, it's about things like schedules and planning tasks and using calendars or planners to organize daily activities and keep appointments straight. Some of y'all teachers out there probably need to improve on your time management skills. It's okay. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> when it comes to adulting in the real world, we all need to prioritize tasks and make to-do lists to get through our day, right? We want to get the most out of our day. That's so that we don't end up watching Netflix all day instead of going to work and doing the laundry, right? Uh, adulting priorities. <laughs> so how do we teach time management to our students? Well, if you are working with younger students, use visual timers. We want to help our students develop an understanding of the concept of time. 
when I, my son was a toddler, he would come and ask me to do things. And I'd be like, okay, I just need five minutes. And exactly 30 seconds later, he would be standing in front of me like, okay, it's been five minutes. And in my head, I'm like, no, <laughs> we do not understand concept of time. We are gonna use a timer so that when you hear the timer off, that's how we can establish what is five minutes. What is one minute? What is one hour? So really think about using a visual timer and include that visual piece so that our students are not um, minimized by not being able to tell time. The second thing for our younger students is to have a daily schedule, right? When we have a daily schedule, that's how we make sure we get things done. And our daily schedules that we have for our students can be individualized so that it can include academic and non-academic tasks. That way a student has a routine and they can manage and start to see how a schedule is impacting the things that they do on a daily basis. This is how we learn good time management habit, habits early on. Now for our older students, we wanna bust out some planners and calendars, right? And that can be digital or paper depending on the student. But we're gonna to start to organize assignments, uh, appointments, commitments, um, special events, birthdays, days off. We wanna to start to teach our students how to set reminders and plan for upcoming events, how to check their calendar and see what's coming up, right? This is how we establish good organizational skills. The second thing that we want to do with our older students is teach task prioritization. So imagine this, if you were at home and there was no food in the house and you also had some dirty laundry, which one is more important? Right? The no food, right? That is critical. Even though laundry is important, it's important to have clean clothes, we really want to address one thing over the other in terms of urgency. So when we teach task prioritization, we're really talking about helping our students understand deadlines and the importance of tasks and how they rank with each other and the urgency of things. We wanna encourage students to understand this task prioritization as they create a to-do list and to tackle high priority items or tasks first, right? So teaching task prioritization really can help with time management. All right, so the next critical skill here is money skills. <laughs> we want to provide education on budgeting, handling money, making purchases, and understanding financial concepts like saving and spending wisely. And we teach this because money skills are more than just counting out bills and coins. In fact, if those are the only things that your students do related to money is count out money, then we really do need to talk. <laughs> we need some real talk here. In an age where technology is advancing so fast, handling actual money is less and less. I mean, back in the day, we used to write check writing skills for all, or check writing goals for all of our students. Everybody had check writing goals. And I can't remember the last time I wrote a check. Can you? I mean, like it's been a minute. So when it comes to money skills, it's not just about counting money. It's learning about banking and more importantly, digital banking. That includes using a bank account, using a credit card, doing digital transactions, because when we help our students to achieve this higher level of independence, it allows them to make their own decisions more consistently about their money. And believe me, that matters. So how do we teach money skills? Well, for our younger students, we are gonna do some play-based learning. We are going to set up a pretend store and use play money to introduce the concept of money and transactions and the exchange of those things 
Um, we want to also make sure we've got parameters on that so there's some equitability in that. Like we're not going to buy a TV and maybe only use a $1 bill. So as we do that play-based learning, we can start to incorporate dollar values, but really we wanna introduce this idea of what money does. And the second thing you can do for younger students is set up an allowance system. I mean, you can implement something either at school or suggest it to parents to do at home where you're providing students with a small set amount of money regularly. That way they can practice budgeting and making purchasing decisions. For our older students, we want them to have real life transactions, right? We want them to have opportunities to go out into the community and go to local stores or businesses and practice making real life purchases. Now, the task of taking students out into the community on community-based instruction trips is a little bit daunting, but there are some great posts on the blog about where you can go, the skills that you can target, and how you can incorporate those into um, your instructional day, as well as into your IEPs for your students. So check out the blog posts that we have at noodlenook.net on community-based instruction. But getting out and doing real life transactions is so important for building money skills. And the second thing is to do some budget simulations, right? We want to create budgets. We want to help our students learn how to manage money within a budget, how to cover expenses like groceries and entertainment. I actually have a resource. It's 30 days of all the different types of things that can happen through personal finance. And I will put a link for that in the show notes because I think it's a great task for, to, to go through with students so they can see, what does it mean if I'm living alone? How does that impact my budget versus if I have roommates? What does it mean if I eat out every day for lunch instead of making my own meals? How does dating someone impact my budget? Um, I actually love that activity, so definitely check that out. All right, the next critical skill here is daily living skills. This is where we teach basic cooking skills and nutrition and cleaning and just help our students prepare simple and healthy meals and a well-maintained living space. That's what we're really targeting with our daily living skills. And why do we teach these skills? Um, because we want our students to be able to cook and make nutritious meals and clean up after themselves. That is all quality of life stuff right there, right? One cannot live on ramen alone. <laughs> Making poor food choices really does negatively impact physical health and it limits the independence of our students in the long run. So mastering some basic daily living skills, basic food prep and household chores, man, that's an absolute essential for all of our students, even if they're gonna be living in a supported environment or not living all by themselves, they still wanna to contribute to their daily living. So how do we teach these skills? Well, for our younger students, we can start including some nutrition and cooking activities, right? Age-appropriate cooking activities like helping to make sandwiches or helping assemble a fruit salad or make a regular salad. We can help them not only in the process, but also talk through the process of choosing nutritious foods to go into those meals. And of course, we want to, as a second thing, include some cleaning games for our younger students, right? You might decide that you want to have a cleanup race or set a timer and challenge a student to tidy up their area as fast as they can or help you hand over hand put things away. We just want our students to really understand that they are included and involved in the process of cleaning their space. It's not something that happens in spite of them. It's happening with their help. 
And then for our older students, we want to get them actually doing some cooking, right? We want to get them through the step-by-step process of cooking, which can include some more complex recipes than our younger folks. It depends on the needs of their student. And we can also include them in some kitchen skills, right? Like chopping up fruits and vegetables or using kitchen appliances safely. We want to start to include them more completely in the process of cooking. Second thing is to include them in some meal planning and shopping. So involve your older students in meal prep that starts at concept and goes through grocery shopping and budgeting and creating a shopping list and getting the right ingredients all the way through to actually cooking the meal. So we want to make sure that they have all of the building blocks to being more autonomous in their daily lives later on. All right, the next critical skill, problem solving. Oh, we want to encourage problem solving skills in real life scenarios so that we can help guide our students through identifying solutions and making good rock solid decisions. And we teach problem solving skills because we want our students to understand how to break down complex tasks into smaller steps so that they can attack it and help them to make better decisions or more informed decisions because that leads to greater autonomy overall. So how do we teach this? For our younger folks, we want some story-based problem solving. We're just gonna roll through some real life scenarios or stories or role play activities and kind of identify problems and possible solutions and choosing the best course of action. And also for our younger students, we wanna include some visual supports. I love contingency boards because I think they are really great for understanding and visualizing the connections between behaviors and consequences and we want our students to get that connection in order to develop better problem solving skills for our older students we're going to do some group problem solving activities with real life real daily life problems because this is where we have an opportunity for our students to collaborate and foster some teamwork and develop communication skills and still work through problems as a team And the second part here is to make sure that you are doing some direct instruction. You are going to help your students to develop skills like brainstorming, trial and error, decision making, examples and non-examples, because all of that will support better problem solving. All right, the next critical skill, transportation. Y'all, we got to know how to get around, right? We have some students who have a, a lot of independence, a lot of really great adulting skills, but they can't get anywhere. Now that has been made much easier with rideshare more recently, especially in places without public transportation or access to easily available transportation options. But when our students can interact with and get access to the community in an easier way, it really does expand their possibilities. It, It enables them to travel to the places that they need to get to without always being dependent on another person. So it's really critical that we teach these transportation skills. For our younger students, we are going to incorporate that role-playing activity again. You can have pretend bus or train stations and practice buying tickets. You might have some role-playing scenarios that are in included in doing rideshare and and do you talk to your driver and do you sit in the front or the back so that you can start to really practice those things and don't forget to include visual supports right maps picture schedules things so that our students can understand public transportation and also um, some of those rideshare and technology tools for our older students again we want our students to get out into the community and do some community-based instruction 
And that includes using public transportation or transportation options, because this is what allows them to practice navigating in real life situations. And the th second thing we want to do for our older students is use these public or shared transportation apps. Learning how to use, how to schedule, um, how to access all of the options that you have in terms of transportation on a phone or in a digital format is so critical now for, for our genera next generation of students who are really tech forward. So we wanna make sure that we are actually incorporating that technology into the process of trip planning so our students are able to develop transportation skills that are a little more realistic to the, to the place and the space to which they live right now. The next skill, are you ready y'all? It's the last one. Number nine is job readiness. This is where we offer vocational training and job readiness skills to our students so that they are better prepared to be a potential employee for someone and so that they can navigate their workplace successfully in the future. Now I could go on and on and on about job readiness and getting our students work ready through really rock solid vocational training in the classroom. I am very passionate about this one. So if you are interested in learning more, definitely check out some of the blog posts that we have at noodlenook.net because they can walk you through some ideas, some concepts, kind of the back and forth and in and out. But we teach job readiness skills because we want to make sure that our students are entering the workforce more confidently and are able to they have the skills and the ability to pursue meaningful employment, or at the very least, volunteer employment that will help contribute to society, or uh, paid employment, which will improve their financial independence, but some way to be connected and involved in the community in a way that feels like vocational training or vocational work. So how do we teach vocational skills to our students? Well, if you are working with younger students, start doing some job exploration, right? Offer some and introduce them to different jobs and career options and use age appropriate materials depending on your students to kind of spark interest and explore all the different types of jobs that are out there in the world. And the second thing is to definitely do some play based learning. You want to incorporate some some play based activities that are work re related and work centered. You could set up an even a mini classroom enterprise where students can run a little small business, right? Just right out of the classroom. Maybe they have a pretend coffee cart or sell, um, sell cookies or lemonade, right? These little play based learning opportunities can really start to build on some vocational ideas and skills. For our older students, we are going to dive right in with classroom enterprise. I ran a coffee cart with my students in terms of establishing some vocational skills with them, some pre-vocational and vocational skills. And let me tell you, it was amazing. I loved running that coffee cart. It was one of the most memorable and one of my most favorite parts of supporting high school students to get them ready for transition into post-secondary life. So. There are several posts on the blog about setting up a coffee cart, but establishing a school store, um, participating in fundraising events, all of these are practical experiences in entrepreneurship and running a business that will help develop vocational skills for our students. And the second thing for our older students here is to definitely participate in community-based vocational instruction. You want to expand the ability of your students, the abilities of your students in terms of their vocational skills. And there's no better way to do that than on the job. So if you are interested in community-based vocational instruction or just CBVI, definitely go to the website noodlenook.net 
and do a search there for CBI or CBVI and you will pull that up. It, there's just a ton of great information on how to get started if that's something that's interests you. So definitely look into that. In fact, you know what? I am going to make life a little bit easier here for you. If you visit noodlenook.net slash start CBI, all one word, no dashes or anything else, noodlenook.net slash start CBI. I will link there an, a great article for you to get started if you are interested in checking out and establishing some community-based instruction for your students. All right, y'all, how do you feel? We really have gone through a lot of skills here. It can feel overwhelming trying to figure out how to incorporate all of these things into your classroom all at once. But remember, there are a few very critical things that do a lot of the legwork for you, right? Role playing in the classroom, using social stories, establishing community-based instruction, doing real world scenarios in your classroom, like that helps you to attack so many different aspects of the nine skills, these nine critical skills, that it does make it manageable and doable inside of your classroom. So remember, this is not meant to overwhelm. This is meant to remind you that there are a few things that you do in the classroom that it develop and target so many critical skills that they should always be incorporated in your weekly lessons and a part of your, your normal routine and procedure in the classroom. Whew. And remember, what we do lasts a lifetime. So teaching these skills is so, so critical. Before we wrap up here, I just want to invite you to join the tens of thousands of other teachers just like you who are getting valuable tips and insights right in their inbox by subscribing to the Noodle Nook newsletter at noodlenook.net slash inbox. You'll stay in the loop and keep those teaching gears turning by subscribing. So don't wait. Otherwise, this is just a reminder that if you've enjoyed this episode and you are still here, you should go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. That way you will never miss out on great content that we are doing right here at Noodle Nook. You can also head over to YouTube and find us over there. Thanks for tuning into The Noodle Nook, a podcast for teachers just like you. We need all the great teachers we can get. So this is Io here reminding you to stay strong and teach on. We'll see you soon.